bright on my old Kentucky home. Tis summer, the people are gay. Well, the corn tops ripe and the meadows in the bloom, while the birds make music all the day. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Just wonderful. I mean, there's nothing that makes me want a mint julep and a little ray of sunshine more than the, the voice of Michael Duncan serenading us with old Kentucky home. The dulcet tones. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, folks. Voice of an angel. Voice of an angel. And he's leading us back into a little bit of normalcy because the first Saturday in May is coming up, which is the Kentucky Derby. Fantastic. um, For folks who, who, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you're probably well aware. I am a huge enthusiast of the Kentucky Derby, uh, the Triple Crown races. You know, I I frequently attend uh, the Belmont Stakes when it takes place in New York. Uh, Great time to be had, folks. Horse racing in general is, is just a wonderful sport. You know, you're, you're watching these animals run and you're just like binge drinking as fast as you possibly can with friends. It's one of the finest ways to spend an afternoon. Well, you're also sizing the things up too. I mean, people, listeners of the program know how you take a look at a horse and see if you can wrench that thing down to the ground. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, so, you know, you'll always have these like odds makers. You've got these people who, who, who try handicapping sports. No folks, you know, yet again, this is a situation where, I tell you, facts don't matter. Trust your feelings. I believe in intuition, magic. That's 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 what gets results. Not these number crunchers. They never work. <laughs> I 100% just base it on feeling, intuition, and magic. Which is probably right, but then you also a measurement of whether you can fight the horse. I mean, that's also you know that's one of the factors you got you got to take into consideration. If it looks like one of these fighting horses, you know, one of the things is like when, when the horses are getting ready to race when they're putting them in the in the gates if there's a lot of gate shenanigans going on you know you got a, you got a horse that's kind of kind of wild in there i mean they want to run they're ready to go gate antics are very, gate antics that's a very important thing you gotta look for <laughs> no question well we're gonna we're gonna handicap a little bit of that we've got a very big show the house republican leader kevin mccarthy is going to join us fresh off a conference with all republicans down in orlando florida and uh, he's going to be giving us his thoughts on the Obama, or I'm sorry, the Obama. It's the same thing as Obama, though. Isn't it, right? Uh, the junk that that is coming out of the pres- current president's mouth in terms of what he wants to do for this country, along with a lot of other stuff. So we're we're excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great show. we got an amazing guest. Uh, the Adventures of Smug in Miami continue. Ladies and gentlemen, so last night, uh, the other night, we had a Minions happy hour here in Miami, Florida. The turnout was... I think we expected maybe like 12 or 15 people. And we got, I think at, at, at the end of the night, we had 40 folks up in there. Oh. Um, wonderful time to be had. Wonderful people. Uh, this is how we do it, folks. It's, it's about the grassroots. Get to know your neighbors. Get to know, get to know your fellow conservatives. And uh, let, let's, let's get, get our people elected. Let's keep winning. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're down there doing it. Looks like you're having a really tough assignment for the rest of us as you're lounging in a beach chair. Yeah, I, that's the best thing, honestly. And so as I discussed, there's this huge influx of folks who worked in tech or VCs or starting companies from San Francisco to Miami. And it's because you've got uh, a Republican mayor here who's extremely business friendly. You've got a Republican congressman. You've got a Republican governor. You've got two Republican senators. Hey, I mean, no income tax. This is this is a town that's like ready to go for creating jobs, getting businesses rolling after COVID. It's it's incredible. And and there is like a deep rooted hatred of communism and socialism in this town that is just it's wonderful to see because all day long, you know, essentially every newsroom has become like a Democrat socialist paradise. They're all unionizing all day long. They're like, oh, well, you know, we should be completely dependent on the government, and have the Green New Deal. It is unreal that you're in a major city in America and everyone loves the country loves businesses loves job creators and not to mention every day it's 80 degrees and 70 degrees at night it's phenomenal phenomenal uh, I may not come back leadership at its finest I uh I have to touch on another piece of leadership I saw in the news here this week and it, it relates to tech it's a a CEO basically that was fired um, as a CEO of a $2 billion company for taking LSD before meetings. Uh, evidently, this guy, his name is Justin Zhu, who uh, he thought like experimenting with LSD would make his company more profitable outside the box. Is he wrong? I Look, don't know. I mean, it's a $2 billion company. That's the thing. The company's worth $2 billion. If the guy's dropping LSD... I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, I, I get a feeling there's this new movement. I'm calling them shroom cons, right? These are people who take mind altering drugs, but are also conservatives, right? It's kind of like the Steve Jobs thing where he was like, only after he took LSD, he was able to like think differently. And like, that was a result of it. And like all a bunch of these tech folks, you know, as a result, they'll like drop acid, go on a vision quest. And they're like, oh God, I need to create this app. And it ends up working, you know? So I think this is absolute travesty. If the guy's going to drop LSD, he drops LSD. You know, come on. He shows up to a meeting. Honestly, would you want to be at a meeting where your boss is on LSD? I certainly would. Yeah, I'd <laughs> liven things up a bit. You know, no one likes a standing meeting. It's like, oh, gosh, 2.30 on Tuesday. This is going to be real fun. Actually, this time it might be. So, well, Holmes, I mean, Holmes, Holmes I, didn't, I didn't see this store. Is this like... Is this full-blown LSD or is this that microdosing? No, no, no. It's full-blown LSD. I've heard of the microdosing, which is just a little taste from what I understand. A little bit. Yeah, but this guy, this guy was uh, like in. He was in. He was going for, for a ride in front of every one of these meetings, which again, like, look, I understand how people look down on that, but it looked like it worked. I mean, the guy's got a $2 billion company or he had a $2 billion company out of the deal. Dude, this is, this is incredible. So I'm reading the article right now. It says Justin Zhu was experimenting with drugs to boost his focus, but the legal drug goes against marketing startup Iterals company policy, which resulted in him being kicked out. Imagine being the CEO and putting in a drug policy and being like, I forgot to get rid of that before I dropped LSD. <laughs> Amazing. Look, I, I mean, it, it works for Joe Rogan. You know, Rogan's always talking about taking ayahuasca and stuff. And um, that's the know. coffee, though, right? Uh, we, or is that some like cactus or something like that? Yeah. No, I think that's, that's peyote. peyote. That's peyote. But yeah, ayahuasca is a hallucinogen. I thought that was like a Brazilian coffee, but it makes you hallucinate. Oh yeah, apparently. See, huh. yeah, ayahuasca here. That sounds almost like one of those tequilas. There's like a posada, ayahuasca. I would microdose some ayahuasca in a tequila for sure. <laughs> and, you know, they actually do talk about that. They say the use of LSD has been a shortcut, an artificial confidence booster for some of those in Silicon Valley. 
The late Steve Jobs, co-founder of Apple, admitted to using Substance saying, taking LSD was a profound experience, one of the most important things in my life. Hey, I mean, you know, I, I, it's kind of like a, this is one of the few areas where I'm kind of libertarian-ish. I think if you are uh, a, an adult capable of making your own decisions and you're taking a drug in your like safety of your own home, yeah, hey, go for it. You know, that's fine. As long as it's not like a hard drug, like it's different if you're like taking bath salts or meth or something, you're going to go out and cause problems. But, you know. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm a little worried about the hallucinogens, if I'm being serious. I mean, I'm I'm like terrified of my own brain. Like, you're going to go and you unlock some of that? I'm a little that. I'm a little scared. All I know is that the, this conversation in the 1980s called, and they want to thank cocaine for the entire development of the <laughs> sector. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look at, look at Miami, right? You know, sometimes you can build great things with it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Well, listen, we started with the old with my old Kentucky home, and we're gonna have to talk about the Derby a little bit here. Uh, Duncan, I, I I you take this seriously. I know I take it seriously. I actually phoned a guy, my secret guy, Ooh. who used to used to work at Churchill. He's got it all. He, he, he handicaps the hell out of this stuff. I'm going to be releasing his picks which I think I mean, I've played them like a couple of years. They never miss. They never miss. No kidding. No, never miss. No. All right. Well, but let me, let me, let me look at this list. And well, I'll sure. try to how make about my this. Pick. How about this? Why, why don't I go ahead and I read off the, for the benefit of the listeners, let me read off the names, of all the horses here. So we've got known agenda, like the King, Brooklyn strong, keep me in mind, sainthood, obesos, uh, Mandaloon, Medina spirit, Hot Rod Charlie, Midnight Bourbon, Dynamic One, Helium, high, uh, Hidden Stash, Essential Quality, Rock Your World, King Fury, Highly Motivated, Super Stock, Soup and Sandwich, and Bourbonic. These are, I mean, these are some fire names. And I it's a lot say. of horses. I mean, that's a, that is a big field. Yeah, that's a big field. That's a big field. I, I, like, so, hot, I like Hot Rod Charlie, if I'm being honest. That's a, I mean, that's a, that's a fire. So here's the thing is, uh, I put a lot of faith. There's this guy, Bob Baffert, absolute, absolute king. You, you usually see him in any triple crown race. The guy's there, you know, so golden, the, he's got the silver mane. He's got the, he's got the aviators. I put a lot of faith in Baffert. Are any of these horses, uh, Baffert horses? So Duncan? Medina, Medina spirit is, is a Baffert horse. And look, really? look, it's hard to bet against the guy. I mean, mm -hmm. he's an absolute legend of the sport. But it's really interesting. The Courier Journal actually put up a story about this. It seems like Bob's kind of sandbagging a little bit here. He's yeah, like, he brings his best stuff. He's like, no, he's he's like, yeah, you know, top ten, maybe top five horse, but I don't think he's got it. Wow, that's mm. a little surprising. Wow, you know, you know, here's what I'll say. I'll put I'll put the Baffer horse, Medina Spirit. I'll put that for number three for me. That doesn't feel like there's enough intuition and magic going on, though. I feel like you should probably name another horse that you would take. Number three. Okay, so I'm I'm basing that. Medina spirit because it's a Baffert horse going by name. So I have a feeling like the winning horses, they have names like affirmed Barbaro, you know, it seems to be like a one word kind of name, but a very strong name. Uh, Sainthood or man Mandaloon, those, those, those feels, those feel strong, but you never, you never get two horses with M's at the start of their name in the top three. So it's not going to be Mandaloon and Medina spirit. This is, this is looking like okay. I think Sainthood is two. You got Sainthood at two, Medina Spirit at three. The winning horse. <laughs> I'm. This is this is just pure name. Bourbonic. That bourbonic wow. plague when it hits. That's yeah. 
Wow. It's a good night when the bourbonic plague hits. I love how you did bourbonic. that. You you did that without any odds. You're just no like, odds. This no, doesn't care. No odds. I that's, do not look at that's the total intuition. Well, we got to match him up. We got to match him up against the expert here. Well, look, I mean, um, I'm probably going to do a trifecta box. And for mm-hmm. our for our listeners at home, you know, that's where you you take, you know, who you think are going to finish one, two, three, mm-hmm. and you box it. So any iteration of that bet pays. Um, I'm going to go essential quality. Who's the overall favorite, um, highly motivated and rock your world. And the reason why I really like highly motivated, it's a 10 to one, uh, horse. Um, so, you know, a little longer odds than you would typically find. in you know, a, a runner up horse, but performed extremely well in their last outing, uh, bluegrass stakes where highly motivated and essential quality were in the same race and they just like crush the competition and essential quality just has like a whole nother extra gear in the, you know, in the final turn in the straightaway uh, and won it. I think those two are going to, you know, go one, two. Um, and I think it's going to be a good race. I mean, there's a couple of other horses that are in, in, in this that people are looking at. Nona Don't give that. it all away, pal. I got, I got my picks to make here too. Okay. Well, you want to go first? Well, no, he, I, I got a relay. I have to give the people their free money. Because I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the insiders picks. This is a huge value add. Wow, huge value add, listeners, you're getting your money's worth here. Okay, well, how about how about this? How about you you give the insider picks and and I still got a little little on spool here. Okay, so, all right. So. Well, I I know what you can read in a magazine. I got this guy out in the. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I got this guy out in the Holmes, barn. Holmes, Holmes, I have a feeling your connect is also maybe my connect. <laughs> Which is totally possible. I, I made a few texts t- today. I'd be like, hey, man, uh, you know, Derby, what you got? <laughs> this guy it just prints free money. All right. So here, here's the way that he broke it down to me was to relate it to politics as if I'm an idiot, because I, I think that's probably right. But also <laughs> makes it very clear. So number one, he agrees with you. Essential quality, right? Mm. This is his description, not mine. He's the Mitch McConnell of horses. Tons wow. of gray always wins, not always pretty, never makes a mistake. Wow. I, right? I'm, I'm serious. Watch that horse. It just just YouTube the Bluegrass Stakes and see how that horse closes a race. It is yeah. dominant. Dominant. Wow. So anyway, that's, that, that's the number one. Number two, rock your world. I think you had him third. Yeah. He's got him second. He's got him in, in, in uh, second. He says it's a young Joe Biden of horses because he keeps going and going and going and going and going and going. If you recall Joe Biden's 1980s and 1990s, uh, he was, he, he gave every epitaph, he gave every single funeral, like whatever the speech was, he gave it. It was always about himself and it was like two hours long. But he always shows up. <laughs> He's but always there. He always there. shows up, That's but he right. always shows up. I thought, I thought the Biden was going to be about the teeth. Like he's got those Biden teeth for the horse. It's like, does does Biden have horse teeth or does the horse have Biden teeth? You know, that's the question, folks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't know where he is. Uh, (laughs) So three, the show position, as we say in the biz, uh, Hot Rod Charlie. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. So he says, this is him, not me. He says, this is the Trump White House of horses. Is owned by a bunch of frat guy football players from Brown. Their uncle trains them, and it's a real fratty family thing, Hell right? Yeah. They're, they're real. Dude, what a great name for a horse. That that fits so perfect. Hot Rod Charlie. So he he thinks that this is a good horse, and it's going to finish uh, third. 
Fourth, he gives us a super effective pick. Which, Ooh. You know, listen, this pays if this thing hits. Midnight bourbon. Midnight. Ooh. It's a 20 to one horse. Uh, I asked for the explanation. He said, just because. Just because. Wow. Just because. Well, so I like that. I like that he gives you some more options there because if you're going to make any money in horse racing, you know, you got to find somebody, the values in, in the longer odds and getting those in a trifecta or an exacta or superfecta. Cause that's where you, that's just where you make the money. Cause essential quality. I mean, what's that going to be like a two to one horse. So you're yeah. not going to get paid that much, that's but you, right. th you throw in hot rod Charlie and suddenly, you know, you're going home with some scratch. Totally. Totally. Yeah. You know what? So I, I'm going to place two bets. I'm going to, I'm going to use the bets from the expert and I'm going to use my crazy bets too. We'll see how that works out. What yeah. you got Duncan? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 going to do that trifecta. I'm going to stick with highly motivated. The ten to one odds boosts up my trifecta, and I like that a lot. Who I'm not going to bet on is Known Agenda, and Known Agenda's got some some pretty short odds. Uh, it's supposed to be a good horse, but got the one draw, mm -hmm. uh, so he has to you know fight it out on the rail, and uh, I think he's going to have some trouble in traffic. So that's that's my pick. That's good I thinking. Love I love it. Listen, you all need to because we're sort of like free of COVID restrictions, or at least sort of free of COVID restrictions. Everybody needs to get together, put your big freaking hat on, pour yourself some bourbon, get some friends around, watch this thing, bet on stuff, have a blast. Absolutely. All Absolutely. right. All right. So the other thing we're going to talk about, obviously we need to all watch this dreaded speech of Biden. And I got to tell you, I think they're up to like $6 trillion of proposals that are out there now wow i mean they are taxing and spending i mean this guy honestly he makes barack obama look like ronald reagan i That's, mean it's really wild like the decisions that th that they've started making in terms of how they're going to tax and spend have been just out their numbers like the the, the market is shook with, with 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 uh some of these demands of of raising taxes like uh what was it capital gains tax by like 33 going from 21 to 28 um absolute madman and and he's already got plans to spend it like like a, like a drunken sailor on stupid stuff too you know i mean all of this is basically unlimited money like a trillion dollars is basically yeah. an unlimited check yeah right and so somebody said smug i have a blank check you can do whatever you want with it. It's the government's money. We're just going to tax the rich somehow. Uh, what do you do? Do you do you go try to like ban cow farts, or do you come up with something more innovative than that? Absolutely more innovative. Like you, you see these examples of of these massive government spending programs. Like you, like when Obama tried the shovel ready jobs thing. Like there were where were the like everyone knew where were the jobs? Where were the jobs? These people, the money doesn't ever make it to the cause that, that these Dems claim, it's all just like handouts to their own people, right? Oh. Like how, how they keep giving money to the school unions and the, the, the teachers still refuse to show up and a trillion dollars towards these dumb pie in the sky plans, absolute waste of money. You give me a trillion dollars, we start making actual, you know, important things happen. Number one, we're bringing back the woolly mammoth. Number <laughs> one, done. You know, I'll call like Elon Musk, I'll call a zoo and I'll be like, we're gonna work things out. Elon, we got it. We a, a couple of things from Elon for trillion dollars. He can do it. Make Westward Westworld real. Number one, number two, bring back the woolly mammoth and just like dinosaur monsters in general. So like a and and, and ideally you have it all in in one one shebang. So you could have your dinosaur park that also has a Westworld. So you have the robots fighting dinosaurs 
with woolly mammoths too. Oh my God. You can do that for, for trillion dollars. You can make that happen. I guarantee trillion dollars makes that happen. And, and, and what are the results? America starts having these like scientific breakthroughs. You know, this country used to build things. We used to, we used to like, we put a man on the moon. We bring back the woolly mammoth (laughs) done trillion dollars. (laughs) I mean, like what else would you want to do? It's a little like, bit like the dorky version of what is that office space when he asked what he would do with a million bucks with a million like two chicks. No, man, <laughs> listen, trillion. I mean, imagine how many women you, you it'd be women galore, man. You, you tell him I got a woolly mammoth. Ugh. Yeah. Good luck having weekend plans, man. You're booked. Everybody wants to see the woolly <laughs> yeah. mammoth. Yeah, I, I got it. I got a mammoth. I got robots and dinosaurs. It's just another day. <laughs> trillion bucks gets it done. I guarantee. And it's way better than I don't know what they're spending it on, like probably like solar panels on windmills or some garbage like that. That's not going to work. Well, and God knows Smug would give back to the economy. Uh, yeah, I mean, we would have a booming economy, booming economy. <laughs> what what you said, Holmes, is really true, though. You know that that Biden makes Obama look like Reagan here. And there was somebody, you know, who who put up an article um, yesterday, basically calling it mod- moderate radicalism. And it's sort of this idea that like you put, you know, Joe Biden's old mug out there with his homespun wisdom uh, to sell it. But at its heart, all of his agenda is like radical left wing stuff. Right. I mean, the amount of money we're spending alone and, the, you know, the, the higher taxes, too. But then you look at things like packing the court, uh, eliminating the filibuster, D.C. statehood, all this stuff is like really, really radical, but they're able to sort of sell it through Joe. Yeah, they are, except, you know, here's the thing. I, I, American people just fundamentally aren't as dumb as Democrats think they are. Yep. Right. The, the fact of the matter is, is most people don't tune into politics in the first quarter of a non-election year, right? They're, they've got all kinds of issues going on, getting out of COVID, trying to get kids back into school. Like your average American is doing what they need to sort of survive in their life. They're not plugged into the ins and outs of this stuff. But the bases are, right? And I remember in 2009, the Republican base was still not quite congealed. The Republican base, fast forward to 2021, extremely congealed, like extremely concerned about the Biden agenda, right? If you, if you fast forward, I will be willing to place whatever bet anybody wants to make that by this time next year, you will have a feverish, feverish, angry Republican base that is ready to dominate midterm elections. Because what all of these analysts are failing to pick up right now, they're saying like, oh, he's still got 53% approval rating. Well, I mean, Obama had 67 at this point in his presidency. Biden's at 53. He's at the best he's ever going to be. And he's there because the vast majority of people aren't paying attention. Once they do start paying attention, that thing's going to slide in a hurry. And he has no capability of coming back to it. None. You bring up a really good point, Holmes. And I was just thinking through, you know, that period of time, um, you know, after after, you know, sort of Obama's um, honeymoon period, he went into that stimulus bill. And then remember, in the summer, it was, you know, summer of recovery, which turned out to be a dud and cash for clunkers and the Solyndra scandal and then Obamacare and everything. And you're I mean, you're absolutely right. By by August, you know town halls weren't very pretty for Democrats. No, people, and Republicans. Paying attention. people started paying attention. Right. 
You know, I, I think that's going to happen here. It's happening earlier is my point. Right. With, with more veracity than it did in 2009. And everybody who says, oh, it's just because we're in a polarized environment. Bullshit. That's not the, the people aren't what's polarized. What's polarized is the politics. Anytime you show up with six trillion dollars of social engineering to try to pretend like, you know, kids don't need to go to school. Teachers unions rule. We can teach critical race theory. We're going to pay, you know, people basically not to work like that. That stuff is going to get under people's skin. Well, you, you, you make a really good point on the teachers union. That's actually our next next topic here. Um, there was some reporting out uh, yesterday about all the donations from teachers unions that spiked uh, to Democrats in Congress as they were debating, you know, school reopening. Um, yeah. AFT, NEA, just given boatloads of money to all these Democrat Democrats across the country as they're basically, you know, extorting all of these parents, you know, saying, oh, you know, we can't we can't get your kids back in the classroom until we get all this money. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. If you're if you have friends that are Democrats, tell them like this isn't about tone. This isn't about. West Wing, this isn't the, the fun little story of your government. What's actually happening is you have a radical left agenda that is bought and paid for by people like the teachers unions who don't give a shit about your kids. Like they, they don't, they don't care at all. They just want the paycheck and they want to continue the gravy train rolling, which is what all of these trillions of dollars of spending are, are inclined to do. It's yeah, I mean, it's 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 very blatant and it's out in the open, like uh, even a lot of these dark money groups spent tens of millions electing Biden and they're all just collecting now. They're all collecting now. They're getting their people put into the Biden White House the same way that these teachers unions know, hey, you cut these people checks, they do what you want. Meanwhile, I mean, these parents, you're still paying property taxes. These schools, you know, you're still paying that amount. These schools have been given billions and billions of dollars that they haven't even spent yet. no. No, I mean, there's one really hilarious part of this thing that Biden rolled out last night where it was they were going to pay for free community college. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah. And on its face, you're like, oh, okay, you know, I mean, people get, get a level of education they wouldn't ordinarily have. Great. In practice, the only reason that community college is actually affordable is because it's not subjected to the same sort of federal loan and, and subsidies that for your education universities have been subjected to without yep. any price controls. Yeah. Right? It, 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 it makes it so that like, okay, well, if they know that government loans and all this money is going to come to them, yeah, sure. We can charge like 50,000 a semester. Who cares? Which you're, is what happens. You're going to end up seeing that in community colleges if they step in with the same thing. And, and I'll argue it's basically, this is a much larger problem than ultimately what happened with the housing industry. And, yeah. and, and when in 07 and 08, when we found out that nobody was paying their mortgages and all of these financial instruments started falling apart because the economy was going south, mm -hmm. like the promise, the basic promise that led to that is that a liberal idea that everyone should own their own home, right? So they were going to subsidize all and, and, and sort of work these loans to a point where you could get into houses that you couldn't afford. The same exact thing is true of education. The same, instead of telling four-year universities that you, you cannot charge your average high school graduate $50,000 a year and get state or federal subsidies, instead of saying that, they just continue to plug in the subsidy, right? So now the cost of education is through the roof. And what's the democratic answer? More subsidies, more subsidies. 
it's the same game over and over. They let their big government policies come in. They jack up the prices for everybody and it turns into an extortion circle. That's all this is about. Totally. Totally. And there you go. All right. So, you know, you know what time it is, folks? It's time to give the people what they want. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for King of the Hill. Yes. Let's go. Oh, a nice cadence, but I was knocked off. You know, I got to be honest with you. Spending the last six weeks on top of the King of the Hill with Bill Crystal has spoiled me. Right? I mean, the guy, the guy is an all-time talent. It spoiled me. I didn't have to look for stuff. I just knew that, like, you know, his tweets would be there when I needed them. And uh, I had to go out and find a challenger. And uh, I, I'm, as usual, folks, the reigning champ, Matthew Dowd, is who I'm rolling with. Yeah. So who, who, who do you have for us today, Holmes? Well, after deep searching, I mean deep searching. Like I looked at six or seven different options. I wanted to get somebody, you know, that we hadn't had in a little while. I settled on maximum boot. There Max we go. Boot. Yeah. Can we Return go? Return of the king. <laughs> can we go ringside? Let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. And now, in red corner fighting from under a crooked fedora standing five feet eleven and three quarters of an inch a max permanent deployment boots and now in the blue corner hiding out of his own Twitter account, standing five feet seven inches tall, and our reigning champion of the world, Matthew Mail Pattern Down. All right, all right, I'm fired up. I feel like my guys got what it takes. Well, you know, it's going to be a tough fight for him because, ladies and gentlemen, defending champion of King of the Hill, Matthew Dowd. <laughs> Let's, what do you got? You got to go first. This is the thing. You got you to gotta prove it here. All right. So this is Matthew Dowd, April 25th. So we are learning that Republicans are more worried about hamburgers than democracy. Pretty cheesy. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense on a hundred different levels. But the fact that he doesn't know the difference between a hamburger and a cheeseburger when he rolled with pretty cheesy, the audience was completely confused on that one. Like, not even the the, the brainworm wine moms were like, oh, okay, this makes sense. They were even just like, oh, I think, I think that's cheeseburger, but okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Max Boot. We no longer have to wake up every day wondering what crazy damn fool thing the president just said. As one voter told NBC News, the best thing about Joe Biden is I don't have to think about Joe Biden. Amen. <laughs> the best part is, is like, you could say a lot of things about Joe Biden, but that he's not a rhetorical liability at every single time he has a microphone is certainly not one of them. Like that is, that's it. It's sheer insanity. Wow. 
These are um, these are good. I mean, they're di divergent, uh, as I often like to see on King of the Hill. You know, there's a different tact for each of our competitors. Absolutely. Um, I feel like Smug gave us a real good like cringe tweet. That was a really solid cringe tweet. I I, I guess where my head's at on this is basically, I mean, when Holmes produced there in, in that tweet with, with maximum boot is, you know, what I think is sort of like key to your sort of like passive liberal political worldview. And that is like politics for you is basically a spectator sport and you go on MSNBC you know, a couple times a week to get your talking points, but you don't know what the what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you just you'd rather just politics go away because <laughs> there's nothing at stake for you in any of this, right? You live a pretty cushy life in some coastal city, and uh, politics is just an extension of your your personality. You he's, know, he's paid to, yet he's paid to be an expert, right? But we got Joe in there, so it's all fine. Um, I don't have to care anymore. Doesn't matter what happens now. Doesn't matter. I, I put the black square on Instagram. I did my part. <laughs> and and for that, Holmes wins round one. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good one. I got to admit, that was a good one. That was solid. But it's Max Boot, folks. I mean, he he always he always brings his A game. It's Max Boot. He's tough. He's a tough out. And you know what? We're talking tactics. I'll be honest. That was a throwaway. I'm I've got two fire ones ready to go. Okay. All well, right. you don't have to go first. Holmes I'm has up, to go first. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's Holmes so there's, I, I, I got to say here, there's a little, a little bit of a um, controversy in last week's King of the Hill. Holmes went first all three times. Listeners pointed that out to me. And in, in Holmes's defense, round two, you had the, the Cuba tweet, the Cuba Libre tweet. From I was so excited. You were just so excited to get it out. Yeah. But the sense. rules... But the rules of King of the Hill is that, you know, the, the champion has to go first in the first round. In the third round, challenger has to go first in the second. Round. I gave myself a disadvantage. I lost. Uh, but you know what? I meaningfully lost. I would have anyway because, you know, the, the two that, that Dowd had were basically impossible to beat. Right. <laughs> basically impossible. So, so I'm going first on the second round. Yep. Max Boot. After the traumas of the past four years, I still marvel at the night and day differences. Even looking only at Trump's first 100 days and not what followed in the next 1,361 days, the comparison is lopsidedly, preposterously tilted in Biden's favor. <laughs> I got to say, just right off the top, the one thing I like is that he definitely had to Google like how many days had yeah. gone by so as if it's important this. right yeah. <laughs> oh what a dipshit it's just what, incredible what do you got for us smug matthew dowd april 27th people wear masks as an act of caring compassion unity and love for others people carry confederate flags as an act of hate and division towards others see the difference <clears throat> actually friend people wear masks because the government will find them if they don't like Love and compassion. I mean, that's honestly part of the problem. Like even with the new, you know, CDC guidelines that once you've been vaccinated, 
You don't have to wear masks outside. You, the problem is that they turned this into such a political thing that libs were like, no, you have to wear a mask in the shower. Like there were libs who were like, I don't mind. I'm still going to wear my mask outside. It, 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 it's turned into this like crazy, like liberal battle flag. of Joy, of, Joy, Reed, said, Joy Reed said she's going to double mask when jogging in the park. Yeah, I, I mean, that. that'll like that, that that that'll tell you, like, this is no longer about trusting the science or or, or listening and listening to the experts. This is become now they're comparing it to it's an act of compassion, unity. And now that the CDC has given the recommendation that you don't have to wear a mask outside, are we permitted to mask shame outside? Like since since mask shaming has been such a big thing. Yeah, like, I mean, like, it's crazy, especially like in D.C. in like liberal cities, if you're if you're not wearing a mask, like driving alone, people are angry. They're like, I can't believe you. Yeah, but like now that they've spent the last 11 months yelling at everyone about this, like now that the science is on the side of the not non-mask wearer, are you allowed to engage? It's, no. it's insane. It's no, insane. you get canceled. That's what, happen ha that's what happened to Tucker Carlson. Still got canceled. Immediately canceled. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I, my thing is I, I, I will not, now that I've been, vaccinated everyone go get your vaccines i'm not wearing a a, a mask outside the guard the cdc has said you don't have to do it anymore like the fact that dowd is is one of these on the front lines of no 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 always it's an act of compassion and love that's not, the problem folks. not not only that not only that smug it's that your wearing of a mask is somehow <laughs> now a rejection of the confederate south <laughs> That's my so that's what got me. I'm not the judge of the jury, it's but it. I will I will say that equating mask wearing to the Confederate flag is so twisted. It's, like, it's, it's completely it's, it's completely crazy. For that reason, the judge and the jury has decided smug wins round two. Let's go, Dowd. Let's go, Dowd. And you know what? I want to go right into round three. Go because I got some heat. Well, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. You, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna give it up. Wait, you or you? You have to go first. No, he's got to go first. I got to go oh, first. Yeah. He's defending champion, third round. Got it. Got it. Go I'm going right to it, folks. Matthew Dowd, April twenty fourth. We are not in the top ten countries in the world in rankings on freedom, democracy, health, happiness, quality of life, education, income, and sex and race equality. Maybe we should let go of American exceptionalism and begin to learn from countries that are doing better than us. <sighs> hmm. <laughs> Boom it's goes good. the dynamite. He's so he's so bad. Oh my god. Let me tell you why I think I can win before I give you my tweet. The reason I think I this might be my favorite DC hackery like combination of a of a boomer slash like total sellout. I mean it, this encapsulates so much for me but it, here it goes when a president is doing a good job that means he has a white house chief of staff who's doing a good job thank you tags ron Klain, for all your hard parentheses and effective work <laughs> he fucking tagged him Tagged and of course, which of course results in a Ron Klain RT, and then like the whole establishment media come. Oh, Max and Ron are buddies, and oh, look, he's doing a good job. And, oh, it's so great! Look at all these followers following. It's uh, it's something. The the parentheses, 
is nice too. After uh, the thirst, just the sheer thirst, sheer thirst of it all, wanting that engagement so badly. You know I mean, that you're gonna a- tag him bootlicker can you imagine this is a person whose job it is to, to make analysis apparently of politics and instead of anal- analyzing anything he has just lo- wrote a love letter to the white house chief of staff and tagged him in it i mean that's just incredible in fairness smug smug do you mind reading yours again absolutely and listen this is a nuke this is legit nuke it's matthew dowd uh, April 24th. We are not in the top 10 countries in the world in rankings on freedom, democracy, health, happiness, quality of life, education, income and sex and race equality. Maybe we should let go of American exceptionalism and begin to learn from countries that are doing better than us. <sighs> That's all time insane take. Oh. Gosh, but he didn't tag Ron Klain. It's tough. It's tough. This is really tough for the judge and Jerry because it's it's like I've said before. So you got two very divergent tweets, right? You've got one that's like st- straight Beltway thirst engagement um, from Max Boot, which is really something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, like you couldn't have seen that ten years ago. No, no columnist, I don't care what your ideology is, no columnist who's employed by a newspaper would be able to put a tweet out like that and keep their job. Let, let alone one that's that's whole shtick is, is somehow that they are the voice of true conservatism. Right. 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 But then you got Smug's tweet, which is basically, you know, apologize for America around the world. It's our, the, con- our country sucks. It's the essence of a liberal mindset, though, right? So it's like what he just articulated, which is amazing coming from somebody who proclaimed to be conservative. Correct. What he just articulated was is what makes you liberal. You believe that you suck. Your country sucks. Everything about your, your place where you live is terrible. Everybody else does it better, and we ought to be able to listen to them. I mean, there's so many levels of insanity to it, like saying that the U.S. is not in the top 10 in any metric of democracy like where do you think it came from folks it, like dad there's this thing that happened in 1776 there's something you should maybe read um it's insane to make that claim and then to go straight into maybe america needs to learn how democracy works from other countries incredible this is one of my toughest calls it's tough this is a very tough one and i'll i'll, I'll be frank like i think both of us would be disappointed we've had a lot of of, of close calls where you know, a winner, I think, ultimately is obvious. I don't think so here. I just can't get over the fact that he tagged Ron Klain. Holmesman. <laughs> oh. It's the tag, dude. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. On the merits, on the merits of the tweet and how much it violates the cons- so-called conservative principles they 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 hold, Dowd would win. Yes. But but in particular in the sort of like rules of the internet um you know what max boot has done is is just been so incredibly thirsty i mean I it's, can't it's, deny it's it's it. like you said there's different approaches to it like you know you can either try going for like a brainworms take you can go for one that's just like ultra cringy and like i'll give credit where it's due that is that is like such wild 
internet work being put in there, the thirstiness, like I'll be, you know, I'll be honest. I'm not a sore loser. This was an immovable object versus an unstoppable force. This was a coin flip. A very, you know, very, I tip my hat to Holmes. That very tough. I'll tell you why, really did bring it. I'll tell you why I picked that third, because you'll remember like months and months ago when we played smug had one. Yeah, I, I, that's the one. The Ruben take that was like an RT, if you agree, type like boomer. Yeah, room. total boomer internet right? move. And I was like, that's it. It, it was rewarded by the judge yep. and the jury. So yep. I thought, this is this is, this is is going to work. That's, on, that's on exactly precedent. the one I thought of. I was, yeah. I was like, you know what? This is a, We have a strong court that follows precedent. That's right. I follow precedent. I love <laughs> that right. Holmes pulled back the case law. That was, I mean, look, that's, 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 that's really taking the game to the level it needs to be. Well, I mean, I, I tip my hat. That we is have a the new way champion, it, folks. It's the way the game deserves to be played. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. You know, that, I mean, this is this has already been a banger of an episode, folks, but we have an interview with Kevin McCarthy. Folks, I think we should just roll the tape on that now. Let's do it. I want to welcome to the program the Republican leader of the House of Representatives, soon to be speaker, God willing, Kevin McCarthy. Yes. Welcome. Josh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Listen, you got a lot going on. I know you spent the week in Orlando getting the troops in line, making sure that we've got our agenda all settled on the Republican side. And, you know, I think a part of that is being ready ultimately to take over, hopefully, in 2022. But how'd it go down there? You know, it went really well. We named seven different task forces on many different issues. Um, you know, what's happening in this woke world, uh, we're losing our freedoms uh, from healthcare to the economy the China task force, um, to our border security. Uh, we're watching what's happening down along the border. And members are getting really involved in so much of this, so we're excited by that. Um, we don't want to have happen what happened to the Democrats, you know. Once the Democrats won in Georgia, in the House, they already had their schedule set. They took a break. Yeah. They actually recessed for a week because they didn't know what to pass. <laughs> they weren't prepared. <laughs> well, I know you're not going to let that happen, but... No. But, you know, the other side of this coin is President Biden, their agenda, rolling out what is unbelievable. I mean, I was saying earlier in the program, what he's doing makes Obama look like Ronald Reagan. This is completely nuts. What's your take? What he's doing makes FDR look like it. If you take the percentage from, from the New Deal, that was about 5.6% of the GDP. This is 27% of the GDP. Five times what the New Deal was, and people thought that was the biggest expansion of government at any time. It's the first time I've seen AOC smile. She <laughs> thinks this is going further socialist than Bernie Sanders. Um, it is the greatest bait and switch in American history. For one person campaigns one way, the bait that somehow he was gonna be bipartisan, the switches, the socialism of what he's governing as. Yeah, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. And I know you guys are gonna be standing up and, and fighting the good fight. I mean, for your perspective, can you kill any of this stuff in the house? I mean, we, we, God willing, he'll you know, have a filibuster. I'm feeling more confident about that. You know, the majority on the democratic side is the smallest has been in a hundred years. And as you know, being in this place, every vote accumulates on the next and uh, you got redistricting coming up. you got a number of members. How are they going to go home and defend what they're voting for, for tax increases? And when you're talking about these many trillions of dollars, I don't care who you are in America, you're gonna be taxed, especially those who aren't even born yet. Every, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you are gonna be taxed like you've never seen before. 
there is no free lunch. It is just going to prove what Margaret Thatcher said. You eventually run out of everybody else's money. No question about it. The, uh, the one way that we've seen Americans uh, move around this country as evidence of where they think the economy is the best has come out in the census this week and showed us that a number of red states are growing. That's, you know, hypothetically good news for a House majority in 2022. Uh, but we've also seen people move from California and take their voting behavior with them. So nothing's free here. What's your sense? Are we, are we in a good shape to take over the House in 2022? I believe it so much. Look, I'm not a wealthy man. I live in the first house we ever purchased. I bet my house on it. That's great. Um, we're poised to be able to. It's different than 94 and 2010 where those margins were so large, no one believed we can win. Yeah. So it's, it's no shoo-in. You, you you're not given majorities. You earn them. And, but I believe we're going to earn this one knowing the team that we have together. But knowing that it's so close, knowing history that the party in power, whoever wins the White House, usually loses 27 seats in their first off-year election. But remember this, there's only two times in history that the party that had the White House lose the White House and gain seats, 1892 and 1992, both mm -hmm. times capturing the majority the next time. Um, I've watched before these Democrats, we've already got a number of them retiring. They know they can't run and, uh, on what they're voting for. I think they're governing based upon the idea that they know too they're going to lose. So they're trying to put every most extreme socialist belief they can try to get through now. Yeah, that's interesting. And there is an element of that 2009, 2010 yeah. Democratic feeling where you're basically just running through a brick wall knowing you're going to get beat in the end, but you're trying to accomplish everything you can. I will say the one thing you have been just absolutely terrific at in your entire career but it's given us really a good shot here, both in terms of where we're at and where we're going, is the candidate recruitment. You put a lot of thought into that. How are we doing? The, the number one thing attribute you need to win an election is not money. It's the quality of the candidate. Yeah. I couldn't be more proud of what happened in the last election. Remember this. This is only the first time since 1994 that no Republican incumbent lost. We beat 15 Democrats. Every single Democrat lost to a Republican woman, a Republican minority, a Republican veteran. That's unheard of. You know, two years ago, we only had 44 women get through the primary. You know what happened this time? 95, doubled awesome. the opportunities. And it is only gonna expand further. And you know what? Our very best state was California. <laughs> Think about it. California where Trump doesn't compete in, so he loses it by 5 million votes. All four districts that we won, he lost. Three of them by double digits. You look at Young Kim. Young Kim's district, Biden won by 10 points, but they voted for Young Kim to throw out the Democrat incumbent. This is a trick. Miami, Maria Salazar, Carlos Jimenez. These are Democrat seeds. Beat Donna Shalala. To Minnesota, we won in every aspect. Or you go Nicole Malatakis in Staten Island against Max Rose, who they just love, they believe. Our Nancy Mace in Charleston, South Carolina. There's not one place in this country we cannot win. And I'll tell you, the recruitments that we have coming and running this time are only going to be better than the ones we just came off of our big win with. I love that. I want to ask you about it because every leader I've ever been around is their own process, right? Their own, mm -hmm. their own way of looking at a candidate. You know, I mean, I, I joke that sometimes it's as easy as handing them a pen and asking them to sell me the pen, right? I mean, it's like, how do what? I know this person actually has it? What is your process? You've been so good at this over the years. Is there something, some sort of secret? You know what? Don't, don't recruit from Washington. 
Yeah. Don't believe what's on the paper. They may have done something well in the past. That doesn't mean that it's going to go in the future. This is the only question you have to ask them. Why do you want to run? I like it. If they do not have the fire in the belly, they cannot get there. Yeah. The, the best analogy to this, when I first started recruiting in 2010, and one of my first recruits, I went to Tennessee, and I met this, uh, met this farmer. He was from Frog Jump, Tennessee. And I asked him why he wanted to run. He said, you know, I'm watching a country change before my eyes, and I don't know how I tell my children I did nothing. Oh, I love I've never been elected before. I've never even been to D.C. on vacation. And he won because he had the right fire in the belly. Yep, yep. Yeah, sometimes you can just feel it. No yep. question. You've, you've had a lot of them, and, and God willing, we have another batch this time around to get over the top. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because this cycle began, of course, with the media telling us the Republicans were dead and buried uh, because corporate America had abandoned. Now, you know as well as I do, there's literally no part of the Republican Party that corporate America owns. It, be it became news to the journalism community over the yeah. last couple of months. But as that has happened, we've seen, I think, corporate America just absolutely lose its bearings altogether and just sort of throw in with the woke crowd. What is your sense of that? Is, is that as bad as it looks from the outside, from your perspective? Uh, corporate America looks like the Academy Awards to me. There's no difference. <laughs> There's no principle or philosophy behind it. But the great thing about the party, the party looks like those who work in America, those who struggle, those who are willing to take a risk, those who believe that America is exceptionalist, is exceptional. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter what corporate America wants to do because that's not the dri driving of our party. And there's, there was no better example of that than the Chamber of Commerce in the right. last election. To, to endorse Democrats that actually vote against what they believe in and somehow they thought, well, this will make us woke or this will make them like us. All it did was make them lose their election even further. <laughs> it's true. They've got like a kiss of death, right? Everything that they touch at this point becomes a losing proposition. It's, it's incredible. Well, look, I know that we've got a big battle ahead of us in terms of what the president is rolled out with trillions upon trillions, and we won't go into the depth and detail of it, but we're all counting on you because the tax stuff alone yep. is going to just absolutely crater our economy. Yeah, I understand that. We, don't worry. We're going to fight every step of the way, and we've got an amazing team behind us. Um, they've got some numbers, but I'll tell you, we, we've got, uh, we're going to make it very difficult. And remember Article 1, Section 7. I know you're a Senate guy, but all tax reform starts in the House. So That's right. That's right. The battle we, will start here. We do have a begrudging respect for, for <laughs> Article 1. <laughs> All right. So uh, I've got three big questions for you, Leader. Sure. We'll get you on your way. I know you've got a ton of stuff to do tonight. Here's the big questions that our listeners focus in on. The first one is, your last meal on earth, what would it be? That'd be the Kevin McCarthy pizza at Frigati's. It's a chicken okay. Parmesan pizza. It's the best. It's the best. And it's even got your name on it. So of course That's it's- right. And Frigati's. You got to go to Frigati's if you're in Bakersfield. So- Awesome. I'd top, now I top that off. Let, let's do. Let's do. Okay, if it's one meal, I'd have Luigi's half and half for lunch. I'd have dinner, Kevin Kevin McCarthy chicken parmesan pizza, and then I'd have Dewar's Georgia special no nuts. That would be my meal. There you go. You got the full thing taken care of. It's yeah. interesting to see how people process this. It's like his health is not an issue on your last day. Hey, hey I'm not. 
it's my last day. I'm That's going exactly out big. right. That's exactly and right. It, and the sad part about it, I eat that quite often, and it's not even my last day. It's my happy. <laughs> well, you move around enough where you're, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be worried about it. Uh, all right, second question. If you were not doing this, if you were not involved in politics at all, what would you be doing with your life? Uh, you know, I'd love to be an entrepreneur. Um, I'd be fostering more smart, small businesses. Um, it's really, I love to take a risk. And uh, I still think this is the greatest country ever to have that opportunity to do it. But this time's when I started by doing with my kids. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's fun. All right. Third and final question. This one's very serious later. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. It goes to the motivation of, of you and what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? Agony of defeat by far. It's a question I ask all my candidates. Everybody loves to win, but I want the person that hates to lose. Oh, I love that. Because you may want to win, but if you hate to lose, you'll make sure you won't. <laughs> what a great answer. You, you'll appreciate this. Uh, we had McConnell on a couple of weeks ago. He tried to sell me that he was an optimism uh, ray of hope guy. <laughs> it's, That's I've, right. I've been around too long. I've seen, I've seen too much. I know you're an agony of defeat guy. <laughs> well, listen, leader, you, you uh, have represented us well for a long time, but you are really taking uh, the next step now, and we're going to get the House of Representatives back. You let us all know what we can do to help. I know you've been a big backer, win red and small dollars to our, to our candidates. We're going to help from our platform, too, and all of our listeners are going to chip in. I appreciate that. You have a good day. Take care. Thanks. So, look, he's all business. He's serious. They are, they are playing for keeps in 2022. He's lining them up. I, you know, the funny thing is all week long, people have tried to write stories about Trump versus Cheney and all kinds of distractions. And the one thing I really appreciate about the way Kevin McCarthy is handling his business is he's not talking about it. He's focusing mm -hmm. exclusively on what unites his conference and how you ultimately get the speakership back in 2022. I love it. And that's the thing is like, we gotta, we, it's so close right now. It's so close. We are so close to getting Nancy Pelosi, getting that gavel from her. And you've got blue states losing seats. You've got red states gaining seats. It's, we, we gotta, we gotta let the, uh, you know, do not listen to journalists trying to push division. The Republican party, they know we're right at the cusp of it. We gotta unite and we gotta take those seats. Yeah. Yep, entirely. And he's doing a great job of flying through. I always said that was McConnell's superpower, right? Is that he just blew right through whatever the journalists wanted him to talk about and talked about whatever he wanted to talk about mm -hmm. it. I'm seeing that in Kevin McCarthy. Like he is, he is not engaging in the bullshit. He is just getting the job done. And I think that bodes very well for our chances this cycle. That's fantastic news. Fantastic news. Eyes on the prize, folks. We're going to take the house back. Let's go. So, with that in mind, folks, we got another episode in the can. So I'm going to call this one. Great work, gentlemen. Great King of the Hill. Great interview. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>